Well, good morning, good day, good evening. It is Wednesday, it's in May, and it's 2022, and that's the best I can do right now. So uh, I wanted to talk to you about something that's sort of been evolving the last few days. You know, it started off in one direction, and then it's moved in another direction, and breathing deeply, and taking a step back. And I thought, let's have a conversation. Uh, I've been listening to the last few podcasts, and I keep talking fast, uh, and I do that because I'm trying to get everything in my head out. But uh, as I listen and I listen to other people, I realize it's interesting and it's okay while you're listening to it, but you're not, or at least I'm not able to retain an idea because the person or myself is jumping from idea to idea to idea. So, uh, you know, one of the things I've tried to do is to keep a common singular theme Uh, through each audio even though there's a million things I want to tell everybody uh, we don't it's it's fun to listen to but it doesn't really bring value other than just sort of taking up time Uh, and those aren't you know my podcasts aren't ones where you just uh, spend three hours listening to me uh, which I could do because I certainly could talk forever but that doesn't really bring value I think those serve a purpose but to me, uh, there's value, and value is, you know, making your life better, uh, having you learn or understand or think or shift or uh, examine. All those kinds of things are what have value for me. Uh, sort of being part of the great narrative, uh, being part of the noise. Uh, I was having that conversation with somebody else, like people just keep yelling louder and louder and louder. And uh, and that sort of brings me to the point that I wanted to get to with you here today. That, you know, I talk a lot about the stress response and I want to talk to those of us who are wired for fight. We are wired to move towards danger. Uh, but I think that's also, you know, wired to take action regardless of what's going on and even as much as I intellectually understand that uh, and we all react we all have a stress response whether we want to or not so this is what you know I'm really talking about an intentional activation and understanding of our nervous system and how we interact with the rest of the world uh, is making some decisions about what we want this time to be and you know the conversation was everybody's yelling and they're yelling louder and they're talking faster and the women are yelling and they're talking louder and they're talking faster and the one thing everybody's yelling about is what is wrong and what somebody else should do you know and we we highlight that and make ourselves feel better I don't but people make themselves feel better when they shame and humiliate and complain and point fingers about the other, right? What other people should be doing. Why isn't anyone standing up taking action? And I say the same thing, like how are we sitting here watching this happen to us by, uh, I will not call them the elite. They're just sad little old people that are getting excited about controlling great numbers of people and they should be excited because we are just sitting and watching them 
pass edicts to control us, which is what's happening uh, right now over in Geneva, Switzerland. They are making new rules as they set to unleash a new pandemic. And uh, and then this morning I heard that we have 10 week. the world has a 10-week supply of wheat, and then it's all gone. And that we only have 20 to 30 percent that's even a normal year in stock. And that is the assumption, you know, that when the harvest comes in fall, there'll be wheat. Uh, and then as I was walking, I'm like, well, then, you know, there's the people who say, well, I'm keto or I don't eat carbs or whatever. Well, your animals eat grains. And so <laughs> if there's no grains for the animals, there's no grains for you or there's no meat for you. And so it's just a lot of yelling about problems that we can't solve happening out there that are incredibly frustrating which is causing me and I imagine a lot of other people to just shut down and so where my normal nervous system response is to take action or to do something with the information even if it is just to you know write about it uh, it's so overwhelming but it's gone beyond uh, dissatisfying you know there's a we're all at a different point in the learning curve and you know what's happening right now if you look on a bell curve you know we're all on a different point of that bell curve and it's a fluid motion it's waves of information and the public gets something you know at the top of the bell curve but people who live on the edge you know have had this information for a long time and so now it's just old and redundant but the new wave of truth tellers the new information hasn't come out yet because there's just so much yelling about the problem and you know part of that bell curve is you make all your money riding the peak of that wave the people who hang out on the edge don't make money they're just trying to get the truth out they're trying to do the right thing uh, and you know no good deed goes unpunished right we persecute the messenger until the message is so normalized you know there comes a few people uh, like a Joe Rogan you know who can capitalize and make a ton of money on ideas and information that all these other people sacrificed you know their life their health their lack of income their lifestyle to gather so we're in this wave and I'm tired of the yelling I don't want to listen to the yelling you know I'm reducing who and what I listen to I have people trying to tell me about other people yelling and I don't care about all that the only thing I care about is which problem can I do something about and which reality do I need to start coming to terms with and I've been just talking you know I've been trying to take action but it's just it's you know I'm shutting down too so I am moving into the freeze response just like all of us kind of are right now because what do we do uh, and I think you know one of the the things about the food is it doesn't matter where you are you know you can't do much about what's going on over in Europe uh, but you can do a lot about what's going on in your own home and 
one of the things, you know, I've, I've talked about a lot of different things, so I want to kind of pull that together right now, and I will get to the point here in a little bit, uh, is that, you know, we have control over, you know, our own thoughts and feelings and action. You know, we have responsibility uh, to the people that are within our proximity and anything that we've chosen to take responsibility for that, whether it's animal or lands or other people or certain kinds of jobs you know we choose where we want to take responsibility and you know the great life lesson for me has been I can't do everything and as I poop out I you know I'm able to do less and less uh, which has created panic you know I can't take care of myself uh, you know how am I going to take care of the dog now the dog is you know falling apart and you know, almost everything in my world is on the downswing. You know, I'm on the downswing, the dog is on the downswing, my parents are on the downswing, and because, you know, of my age, most of the people I know, we're on the downside of life. We've peaked between 40 and 50, uh, in which we are now on that bell curve of moving down. It's interesting, uh, the age 47, uh, Harry Dent, who's an economist, you know, would talk about that's when your peak financial, that's when you have your most money, your most wealth, your most uh, energy. Uh, and after 47 is when people start to spend less because, you know, your kids are, well, they used to be getting out of college. You know, there's a, a he does economic trends and he looks at, you know, human behavior and development and where that falls uh, there's also, you know, all kinds of other interesting things that happen between 40 and 50. And so depending where you are within that timeline, you know, at some point you've reached your zenith. You've reached your, uh, this is most likely the peak year. And after this, you know, the declining years begin. Uh, and so those of us who are older, recognize that this period of our life is filled with a lot of loss, a lot of letting go, a lot of changes, uh, and most of that falls into the I don't want category. And so you've heard me talk about that. And so what I'm kind of leading up to is, you know, I, I know some other stuff that I don't want to be a part of, and, uh, you know, I have chosen to live uh, in a pretty isolated, alone kind of way. And uh, I keep making the joke. I saw an article about something called Hermets, which is the the female version off of a book about hermits that was written in 2021. And, you know, it was these women who are living in cities, uh, and there's only like 30 people that are officially part of this secret society. But the quotes were, you know, really advocating the... Uh, the benefits and why other people should just carve out a cave in the city and live alone. And, you know, all two things. One, the minute any of my choices become a New York trendy lifestyle, make me question my choices. Uh, but two, no, and maybe I did already talk about this last Monday. It's hard for me to keep track because I'm, you know, doing different things in different places and having different conversations. Sorry if I'm repeating myself. But if you didn't listen to Monday, then this might be new information. So the point being is that I totally get wanting to be alone. Uh, and part of me has mentally and emotionally made the decision, you know, not to kill myself, but to 
except that, and my intuition has said, you know, you're not going to be here but a couple more years. You know, that's what I hear. And, and we hear different things and those things change because the probabilities change. We change our mind. There's a lot of things that are fluid in, you know, any kind of intuition. And so that's why I think it's always good to not believe what other people tell you, especially about yourself, including me when I tell you about yourself. But also, you know, the future probabilities are constantly changing. I believe that there's parallel experiences going on and we're moving in and out of different realities. And so it's a constant state of flux. And so I, that gets, gets back to what I talked to last week about rigidity and how important it is to not be super rigid because the field the force, whatever you want to call it, the energy field, it's always changing. And, you know, the power of focus is to be responsive to that and be able to keep making decisions within that, you know, as you want to move with the energy as opposed to fight against it. Uh, and, And when I talk about, you know, wired for fight, I don't believe in fighting against what you don't want. You know, my goal is always to fight or take action for what I do want but there's like a huge slug thing that happens in my brain which I like you know I thrive on the negativity so it's very difficult for me to do that mental shift but what I when I think about what what's coming and what's happening uh you know I talked last Monday about there's a new puppy on the property and how you know, it's got a new little life. Uh, I talked about uh, when I was driving down to town, I saw a mom dog who I hope has a home, but she was clearly had had puppies recently. Uh, I didn't see where they were, but I just, you know, I what I talked about in the Patreon podcast was uh, it broke my heart thinking that she was putting her puppies in the drainage ditch. And I thought, oh, I'll look when I come home. And when I came home, I was so out of my mind with a migraine that I'm like, I don't care about anyone or anything and I just drove home and uh, but what came to me later was we all have I don't want to call it the right the privilege the will the ability to fight for life itself and it's other people's judgment about whether we should be allowed to live or their judgments about how we should live Uh, which is what's happening right now in Switzerland. You've got a bunch of, you know, psychotic old people, possessed or not possessed, depending on, you know, what conversation you want to have around that, telling us how to live so they can control us to get first what they want from us, which is really our energy, our life force, and two, thinking that they know better, and three, we have no will to say no, I'm not going to do that. You know, so if I'm standing in the street and some, you know, person that's four foot five, who's a hundred years old, comes up to me and says, uh, you're not allowed to walk in the street, go home and stay in your house, right? So here I am, you know, five, nine and way younger, looking at them saying, excuse me, I'm not, why would I listen to you? And yet that's exactly what we're doing. We're having little old people who are frail, telling us what to do and we're doing it because we're afraid if we don't and that's really what the nervous system is about how are you going to deal with all these things that come up and so 
you know, when we talk about the one that's the, the fear that's most tangible, I think, is disease and food. And that's kind of why I focused on those two things because, uh, you know, disease, illness, plague, whatever, that travels. It doesn't care where you live. And food, if we don't have it, that is a very large problem. But the two ramifications of those two things is how do you stay healthy and who gets to eat? And the fear is I won't be able to stay healthy, so I'm going to isolate. And I won't have enough food, so I'm going to hoard my food and I'm going to hide so that I have enough and hope nobody finds me. And that's a choice, but that is not a wired for danger choice. Ouch. That is a fight, I mean a flight or freeze choice. And and so that's why, you know, I think it's so important to examine these ideas before we're in the thick of the problem so that we can really make peace with whatever our choice is. Because the less conflict you have about your choices and decisions, I think the easier it is to move forward. You're less likely to freeze up. You're less likely to make bad decisions. You're When you doubt yourself in the moment is when usually we create a lot of problems. If we, if we know what we want, then we can make decisions. You know, if I, if I know I want to stay alone and I would rather take my chances on my own, then I can just say no. I can say no to other people. I can say no uh, to letting anybody know what I have. I can just go find a little cave, which I think would be awesome, uh, and just write it out and see what and see how that goes. And I've thought a lot about that. You know, I'm just going to go drive someplace and when my food is used up, I'll just, you know, decide what to do then. So none of these are about right or wrong choices, but I wanted to bridge into this particular idea. So that's laying all the groundwork. That there's really three ways, three major ways we can go forward. Uh, and that is uh, we can isolate and try to survive. Uh, we can be part of community in a way that's taking care of all of the older people, all of the sick people, all of those who are unable to care for themselves that are frail and vulnerable. You know, I've talked about that Friday, last Friday and my fears around being frail and vulnerable. Uh, But there's also a third thing that I've tried to talk about, but because I'm not emotionally attached to that category, I haven't really put much energy in it. But the puppy and the mommy dog reminded me that the third group, you know, that I'm asking you to imagine or to think about is people who are young and how to sustain Uh, people and animals into the future and you know I've said this before one of the things that's always shocking to me is when people who are older uh, just assume that there's a limited amount of food that they get their equal share Uh, and yet in one of the videos you saw me post the last video actually where the father isn't eating so that he can feed his children you know traditionally that's two old women right traditionally food gets diverted to the young and the older you are the less important you are considered to be and the more within the group that resources are withdrawn from you now as we have created western civilization we have a lot of 
ideas about how we are entitled to everything whenever we want. And that was my experience, you know, as a social worker and also as somebody who has talked with a lot of people who have retired out into the middle of nowhere where there are no resources, you know, under the delusion that somebody out there, government, institution, insurance, whatever, owes them whatever help they need as they age into uh, living out in the middle of nowhere. Good luck with that, right? But I haven't spent a lot of time, you know, on this idea. And and I, I touch on it, you know, when I talk about legacy. I touched on it when I talk about preserving the wisdom. But But what I was thinking is there's a different energy associated with this idea of keeping the young alive, mentoring them, you know, creating a future for them that's different than the winding down. And traditionally, you know, that's what people did is they taught their young skills, they supported them. There's a farmer, Joel Salatin, who is in his 50s. He's known, you know, as permaculture. He's just international fame, you know, around his farming and practices. And so people flock to him from all over the world to learn from him. And that's, you know, he makes the joke, well, now that I'm in my 50s, I I can just, I have the knowledge, I don't have the energy, so I tell all the young people what to do, and it's a good combination, and that's the way things were, you know, people had kids, the kids worked on the farm, uh, but we don't do that now, and so one of the the things that scares me about the future, and I ta- I've talked about this, you know, with the famine stuff, is all the children and animals that won't have a grown-up or an adult to take care of them, and you know, one of my biggest fears, which I've repeatedly shared, is seeing hungry animals and hungry children, right? It's one thing when it's an adult, right? Suck it up. This is the reality of the situation. It's another thing when it's children and animals. And I really honestly have been in, I don't want to see it. Uh, I want to hide from it. Uh, I don't want to be a part of it. Uh, I also know, you know, I don't want to be a caretaker. I don't want to take care of people who are dying. You know, I understand all that goes with that because I have you know years in a career where I experienced all that and I it's just so hard on a good day right I don't have the energy to be part of that Uh, but what the the mommy and the puppy you know the mommy dog and the puppy kind of lit up in me and just a tiny idea was do I want to be part of the group that's going to take care of the children and the animals so that there is a future? And I'd made that decision to do that intellectually by preserving the wisdom, right? The mentoring through creating written things. But I, I've been terrified of doing that in person. Uh, but, you know, as I was walking this morning, you know, this whole area where I live, everybody has, not just a dog, everybody has packs of dogs, and a lot of them are loose, and that was, you know, one of my concerns, because some of them are crazy groups of dogs, but what happens when all these dogs start to get hungry? Uh, I had posted the video about the sanctuary in Costa Rica, where they passed the law saying that anybody could be fined for any uh, perceived, real or not, abuse or neglect of an animal and everybody lots of people panicked and there was over two million this was years ago I don't know what's going on now two million loose dogs on the street so their solution was to just cut their dogs loose uh, and then the shelter you know got 
what they could handle, 200 dogs, they've ballooned up to 1,200 dogs in terror about how they were going to feed them every day. Uh, you know, they were in debt and they were just working their butts off trying to feed all these dogs because it broke their heart. I mean, they chose to be proactive. Uh, one of the things that happens uh, in other countries uh, that we haven't experienced yet, in Venezuela and Argentina, uh, Cuba, is that people start eating all the dogs and cats, uh, and they start selling the children to others so that maybe the rest of their family can eat. And those children are sold, uh, don't usually have a very good experience. And so there's always a few who just keep taking in children and animals, even if they can't necessarily take care of them perfectly, because it's better to have some degree of safety and be hungry than to have no degree of safety and be hungry, right? And just do the best you can. And that that just terrifies me because it's so hard for me to look at that. But that was kind of a new idea, you know, when I saw the mommy dog saying, you know, what I've learned about nature is that <laughs> uh, babies are food for 99% of the babies are food for all the other animals. Like in nature, nothing hardly survives at all. And so that's why there's usually a lot of uh, babies, you know, there's litters every year, there's babies every year, there's eggs every year, because most of those little babies end up being food for something else. Uh, humans don't do that, and I hope we never do, but I think it's an idea we have to remember is that one of the reasons we have been so fertile, we aren't now, I heard the sperm rate is down to like, down 96%. I think that's all the cell phone stuff. But, but you know, one of the reasons humans were so fertile is that, you know, people lost their kids. They miscarried and they lost children. In fact, if you had a child that lived past the age of five, uh, it would probably be really old. And and then two main causes of, three main causes of death, the reason why the death rate was always so low, you know, in ancient, in older times, isn't because people died when they were 60. It was because uh, children dying under five and women dying in uh, childbirth and then just accidents or lack of antibiotics, that's what killed everybody off. It wasn't chronic disease. It wasn't dying from old age. If you got to be an older person, you usually lived to 80 or 90 because you didn't have all the chronic diseases that are so prevalent now. And that's what's so terrifying about famine and disease is that most people's health is so compromised uh, going into to these processes of less food and more illness that, you know, most of us aren't going to do very well. And so the reason I'm bringing all this up is I wanted to walk you through these ideas because I thought, you know, one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm looking at, you know, my situation and my choices uh, which camp do I want to be in? And, you know, I've kind of chosen the isolationist camp uh, because I absolutely know I don't want to be uh, a caretaker for dying people. I, You know, I had a career doing that. I could never do the physical part, and there's no way I'm signing up for the emotional part. I just can't. I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, I would rather just be alone. 
but the unknown factor are the animals and the children and so the question I've been having and I wanted to pass it on you to think about is would it be better than trying to isolate or the opposite of taking care of the old would it be better to find a way to help those who can move into the future fight for their life just like normal animals do in nature they fight against everyone and everything to protect their young so that they will live and most of their young die but they don't quit right they just continue to be part of that process and uh, one of the judgments I had about livestock was you know you should never breed your cow or your whatever every year it's too hard on their body it wears them out faster and you're just doing it for the money and I was very judgmental about that but when I was living with the cows because I lived with them you know longer than the other types of animals you know every once in a while a cow wouldn't be pregnant or she would miscarry or her child her baby would die on childbirth or you know within the few first few days of giving birth and so that mama cow would be the only one that didn't have a baby to take care of and it was just so sad because she would mourn and cry and you know just if the the baby was dead she'd hang over the baby and just not want to let it go and then you know by the time the coyotes came she would fight the coyotes or you know the farmer or the rancher would come to drag the body off you know she would resist and and it was heart-wrenching but what I also saw is how much purpose having a baby gave the mommy cows and it was an experience that really changed the way I thought about it it's like yeah it's harder on your body to have a baby every year but it becomes a quantity quality question and we don't ask ourselves that anymore because we're so focused on quantity of life Uh, I think we've lost the real issue which is quality of life and you know what I observed about nature and domestic animal was they don't think in terms of of quantity they don't think of milestones about oh I want to see my children graduate school and get married and have babies and uh, I don't you know I'm going to imagine my retirement they just live within the four seasons and what's happening to them within that year and and you know that's as humans we have the gift of the future where we can think about it but I think we've become so focused on quantity of life we've forgotten the quality of life and all this life extension stuff is you know the people that are ruling us right there are these psychopathic skeletons living off the blood and now the organs of children to survive and and become immortal within computers and become synthetic life forms so they can live forever in physical or or three-dimensional form but but with no quality of life and and so you know those are the kind of the three there's more but I just you know for me right now I'm kind of dividing it into these three categories do I want to look to my future as isolationist and survival where I just you know hide out and eat my canned goods or whatever right Um, 
do I want to dedicate myself to taking care of people who get sick and are dying, uh, like I'm afraid it's going to happen to me, right? Or am I ready to, or would I, open myself to uh, new life, right? And using my energy and my resources to perpetuate humanity forward. Uh, and, and all of those things are valid and all of them are valuable in their own way. I think it's our intention. You know, the, the hermits, the old women, they aren't even that old uh, in New York that are hiding themselves in their little cave apartments, rationalizing why this is good for everybody and everyone should do it. Uh, you know, that's not really done I think from a place of intention, you know, there's difference between the hermits before that were seeking a relationship with God and, uh, and you really can't do the deep spiritual work if you're busy and chaotic all the time. There, there needs to be a period of time where you're, you have solitude and silence. That's just the reality. If that's important to you and spirituality is not important to everybody. And so that's why I think these are always individual choices, but I think it's a really good time to think about it because, because we are so on the cusp uh, of whatever's hammers coming down here. Uh, you know, there's also a great beauty in being a caretaker and a healer, right? Of just really being that person that, that, transitions others into and through the death experience Uh, and we're going to have a lot of that going on Uh, I just know I don't want to be a part of it because I've been a part of it and I don't like it it's too much for me and I can't I mean I'm having that in my own life I don't want to add to that Uh, but this third thing is do you want to be part of what I think may be happening is a wave of children who are going to be orphans because their parents or their family is dying or died and a wave of animals that are going to be abandoned because they can't be fed or their owners die and uh, or you can be somebody who procures children and eats animals right so I'm not going to tell you which which party to be part of but I don't think if you're listening to me, you're going to be a procurer of children. Although, who knows when we all get hungry, what we'll do with our animals. So that's a separate conversation. <laughs> but, but the reality is, is when you see starving animals, what are you going to do? And, and that's been my big fear because, you know, as I've uh, lived out in these countries, you know, I see starving animals all the time. But you know, we're in a place where there's still rules and there still belong to other people and you can't really interfere. And my experience is nobody cares. Even if you try to report somebody, you know, starving their cows or whatever, nothing happens. Uh, And if you report the animal, the animal just gets taken to the the pound and put down. So uh, there's just, there's no good solution now. So the best solution is to just not look. But what happens when there's rows of dogs coming across your property or where you live, right? And what happens when you see little children, you know, just sitting on the corner, hungry and crying, and you can't find their parent? And, you know, before you just called 911 and you passed that child or that animal off too, right? I've done my fair share of dog rescues. Uh, you just call someone and you take the animal away or that somebody comes and picks the child up right 
But what happens when that's not an option? Uh, do you want to be part of a community or part of this world? Because I don't think you could do it by yourself. I think this is definitely, if you choose to be either a healer or a rescuer of animals and children, you got to be part of a community. I don't think you could handle it all by yourself. But do you want to be part of that? And I, and I think it's such an important concept and idea because uh, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. I mean, it could, uh, but it's most likely to start as a trickle and a question. Well, you know, and, and at some point, the system, quote unquote, is going to be overwhelmed and they're just not going to take any more calls. Just like that dog shelter. Uh, they had to shut down. They're like, we can't take any more dogs because we're not able to take care of the ones we have. So no matter what your choice is, there's going to be limits. There's going to be times where you have to turn people away. There's going to be times that you say no. But these are all focus and energy questions. And the piece of it that goes to the art of containment is, uh, I think if you can make peace with where you want to be in this process and then make peace with it, right? Just not To not judge yourself, to not feel guilty, to just be okay with it because it's not your responsibility to save everybody. Uh, it's not your responsibility to do anything. I mean, that really comes from our capacity to listen to the guidance within us, uh, to ask ourselves the questions. Uh, but I do think they're much better asked before we face the issue. And so I'm going to leave you with the question of the issue that I am faced. Uh, you know, the puppy, there's something about the puppy that really caught my heart and and my uh, intuition. And I kept getting these images of seeing a dog that looked like him, but not as a puppy, but as an older dog. And I, you know, if you know, if you listen to me, I've made the decision where I can't have any more dogs because I'm too tired and I can't take care of myself and I can't take care of this one. Uh, you know, I can barely walk. Uh, and so I'm like, I, I'm not getting another dog. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll get a cat because I can't imagine not having any animal. So I said to the person who brought the puppy here, I'm like, well, if for some reason the family who's supposed to pick this puppy up says that they can't or they take the puppy home and they change their mind, just, just let me know. I'm thinking about that. And she looks at me and she says, well, he has a sister that looks just like him. <laughs> so that this is what's been prompting my question because it's easier for me to make a decision and think about this because I'm not seeing where the puppy lives. I understand what the conditions are and I understand that they're grave, but I'm not looking at the dog. And so I have the space to make the decision. And so I've been having this conversation. If I commit to bringing another dog into the house or the trailer, uh, that's a whole way of thinking that has not been, I'm going to go drive out and hide out and just wait for all this, you know, till I'm done. Uh, and that's where I've been leaning. You know, I don't want to take care of people. I know that. Uh, so I've been kind of in the, I don't want to deal with what's happening. So I'm just going to do my little part and assume I don't survive it. But 
this new idea and this new thought has been planted and while I haven't made a decision and I don't even know if that puppy is still available I do know that at some point there's going to be a starving child or dog that's going to come across my path and I don't know if I have the capacity to say no even though intellectually I've made the decision to uh, not take care of anyone or anything uh, and so I'm kind of in this middle place right now so I am passing this idea on to you because I think it's super important to think about before because if you just absolutely know uh, you know that the issue with my health is uh, it's a use it or lose it uh, it's getting harder and harder for me to walk which is why I said you know I can't do another dog but if I stop walking I will lose the capacity to walk altogether so uh, it's you know it's a question of what kinds of things motivate you are you better accountable to yourself uh, are you better when you're accountable to something that's external uh, are you more interested in quality versus quantity of life uh, are you just ready to let go uh, are you most committed to being a healer and a caretaker of those who are suffering uh, are you somebody who wants to be part of the building process of what's coming next you know do do you want to just tune it all out and enjoy yourself these last days these last months these last years there is absolutely nothing right or wrong about any of this but the best way to work with our nervous system is to really bring this information in so we're not making impulsive decisions in the moment. Uh, I think what's even more tragic than saying yes to somebody is when we say no and then we have to live with the regret of that. So I think if you can make the decision ahead of time, like I'm just not taking anybody into my space that I have to take care of, versus when somebody shows up and you say no and then you have a lot of guilt about that I think that's much more difficult to live with so none of this is simple or easy and God bless any of you that actually got to the end of this uh, audio podcast and are listening to this but it's a very real thing that we are moving ever more quickly towards that as the system breaks down all of those stop gaps you know the police child protective services animal control uh, a blind eye all of those things a good fence right all of those things you know most likely are going to start to drop away and we're going to have choices that humans have made to had to make since the beginning of time but we haven't had to make them and it's our character our choices our life our learning our experiences our power to make choice which is focus about how to use our energy and then making peace with that is really the art of containment and that's what I've been talking about so this one's big uh, you'll have to wait and see what I decide to do or what happens I don't know yet I haven't heard uh, if it's even an option and if it is then I have to make a decision 
stay tuned. And so with that, my friends, have an awesome day, whatever date it is, and I will hopefully see you next time.